Welcome in to another episode of the Esports Network podcast, presented as always by Esports Network. I'm your host, Mitch Reams. Today, I'm joined by Terrell Skelly. It's been a little while, but Terrell has been my partner on quite a few podcasts to this point. Terrell, how are you doing today, man? Hey, man, it's been a minute. How you been? I've been good. I've been good. It's good to have you back on the pod. Yeah, it's great to be back. You know, get to speak some esports and just goof around a little bit. Kind of miss it. Always fun. And we have a fun podcast today. For the first time, esports is getting a proper award at ESPN's ESPYs award show. So there are plenty of award shows out there in the gaming and esports space, but having the biggest sports award show recognize esports is a is a pretty cool moment. So it's going to be fun to talk about the nominees for that award and what it means for esports. Yeah, um, I'm kind of surprised they actually put it in. Uh, they put in other categories too, along with best viral moments and you know best WWE moments. So. I'm kind of glad they put esports in because they're definitely gearing towards the younger audience now, so they can get a foothold on them to bring them into the, like the you know the evil empire known as ESPN. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's the whole goal with esports moments is let's bring down another audience who might not watch. And honestly, I'm not sure it will draw that audience in considering it's just one award in there. But it's still cool to see it there. And obviously, ESPN is no stranger to esports coverage. In fact, I think they do probably the best esports writing out there. There's when ESPN's Jacob Wolf or League of Emily or uh, the esports writer writes an article. I'm going to check it out most of the time. So they, you know, they're the worldwide leader in sports is no stranger to esports coverage. But it is cool to see them recognizing them on the main stage and not ESPN esports. But at the ESPYs, we're going to show off esports. I agree. Like you said, Jacob Wolf is exceptional writer. Emily's an exceptional writer. Um, esports or ESPN, the minute they're like, we want esports, is all right, they're going to start cherry picking some of the best writers and best, you know, analysis out there, and they're going to make it work. And even with this, like the ESPYs is sometimes, you know, it's on the day, only day sports isn't going after the day after the Major League Baseball All-Star Game. But people will still tune in because people like award shows, to be honest. like Whether they like it because they, they like the people or they want to complain about it, I think some clicks will go in there and articles will be written about why they, the person won or didn't win. And hopefully it'll be more positive than negative this time around. Yeah, we. Let, I don't want to get too deep on the SVs as a whole, but yeah, it's uh, had some issues in the past. But it is really a... Sports are a personality-driven event at this point, and the ESPYs is one of the best collections of just pure sports personality. Um, but yeah, a little bit of controversy in the in the past. But it, it'll be interesting to see how... I think the host is Tracy Morgan. I don't have it in front of me, but it'll be really interesting to see how he or whoever introduces the award, and I'm really hoping it's handled in a tactful way, talking about the eSports award. Uh, could definitely, you know, we've all seen the examples of it going wrong when esports is placed on the traditional sports stages. Oh yeah, yep. Yeah. So you're correct. It is Tracy Morgan, um, and he's a good comedian and a good actor. So I am, I am with you there, saying, "What's he going to say?" Because you know it's going to be funny, and people are going to laugh about it. 
So as long as it's tactful funny and, you know, it's not the uh, old stereotypes played out stereotypes, there are unique ways to make it funny. And I hope they do. I agree with that. But anyways, we are in the eSports Network podcast. We're talking about the eSports Award. And this year it is the best eSports moment. There are 16 nominees for this award, and they will be chosen through bracket-style fan voting. So head-to-head, each round goes on. I imagine each round takes about seven days. It's end of June. The event is on July 10th, so all four rounds of voting will have to wrap up by then. You can vote now at thespies.com. I put the link down below this podcast if you are on one of our sites that supports a description with links. That is not every single um, site, but check out the SBs.com to vote on the award. Of the 16 nominees broken down by game, no game has more than two moments. We have two CSGO moments, two League of Legends moments, two NBA 2K moments. That's a weird choice to me. We'll get to that. Two Overwatch League moments, two Fortnite moments, one Madden, one Rainbow Six, one Dota 2, and one StarCraft. So how we're going to break this down, because we have 16 different moments, Thrill and I have chosen five big ones that we think are favorites in the competition, we think are worth highlighting, and then we're going to do rapid fire on the other 11. So the five we're going to cover, we're going to cover these after the rapid fire section, but the five we're going to cover that you have to look forward to are Sonic Fox, switching sides and winning Evo Dragon Ball Z, And we'll talk about what switching sides means in that context because it is a really interesting thing to talk about. The London Spitfire Championship in the first season of the OWL, the Overwatch League. Leffen, the God Slayer at EVO and the send-off of of, uh, Super Smash Bros. Melee, not Madden, Melee. O'Larry 2K returning from a gunshot wound to the NBA 2K League. And Team Liquid upsetting Invictus Gaming at Midsummer's Invitational. So those are the five we're going to highlight, but first, let's do rapid fire. Oh, but Terrell, I wanted to give you a chance. So we sort of chose those together. What were the honorable mentions from the rapid fire? Because I want you to let us start there. What thing was really close to being one of the ones we wanted to highlight, but ultimately missed? Um, for me, it was the uh, Rainbow Six because Rainbow Six has struggled as a video game in general. The game came out; it was buggy, it was glitchy, it was it was a train wreck. There's no nice way to put it. But they listened to their fans and they started working on the game first, and then they started the esports community, and now it's starting to get bigger and bigger. So when G two won, G two's one of the bigger like organizations in Rainbow Six. So when they won, it felt good because you know Rainbow Six is here. Like they're here to stay for a while. The game they showed the next season and they keep adding operators and they keep working on the game itself. Like unlike you know what they say about like Overwatch where the meta is stale is they Ubisoft is always trying to tweak how they do things to make it not stale, even though sometimes it does happen, because, you know, no matter what, people are always going to be upset at a meta. But with yeah. Rainbow Six, it's is good. Like, they're doing a good job on it, and I hopefully it continues to grow. I absolutely agree, and that game is so interesting. If you want to learn more about that game, I did 
an interview with Ubisoft's director of esports uh, for primarily Rainbow Six, Che Chow. That is in the Esports Network podcast feed. We go very in depth on Rainbow Six, its growth over the time, and how it's uh, what place it holds in esports and how it's unique among FPS titles. So I agree, Rainbow Six is a very cool title, and the way it grew from sort of buggy game to being what's now a, a solid tier two esport and climbing is has been really cool to watch. So that was one of our honorable mentions. Uh, but now let's just go rapid fire through them. So both CSGO nominees were honorable mentions for me. They were both very close, but I couldn't choose between the two. And we ended up just doing them in the rapid fire. So first, Cloud9 winning CSGO Boston Major. This is huge because it is a representation of how far North America has come. And it was the first time a North American team had won a major. They did it in Boston, obviously in America. So the American crowd was going crazy. It was definitely a feel-good moment for uh, North American CSGO, which you know, you've got fans in that area who've been waiting for a North American team to break through for five, six years now at this point. So a very cool moment. But I definitely thought I had a little bit of American-centric view on that. And that's why I thought it was so cool. Uh, I'm sure somebody from Europe is like, who who cares? They won a major. Cool. <laughs> well, I mean, when you, you keep winning after a while, it's just like, all right, we're the best around here. But then, you know, kind of like they're the upstart, you know, like, hey, Cloud9 comes in and they're doing good. And then they end up winning this trophy. Like, it brought people everywhere to watch them like see if they could do it see if they could bring north america that win because like you said europe usually is very very strong at csgo north america they kind of are but then when it comes to majors you know european dominates but with cloud nine finally just hanging up that trophy holding it up it if it is an american it's a patriotic story like for sure yeah, and I just didn't want to get too deep in that. And we already do have Western teams closing a gap by choosing Liquid's upset um, at MSI instead of the Invictus Championship. So we're gonna we're gonna leave that there because the other CS:GO nomination is Astralis winning IEM Katowice. And if you're gonna choose a CS:GO moment, it almost has to be Astralis because they were dominant throughout 2018 and into 2019. Uh, their run was basically unprecedented. They just won and they won and they won. And IEM Katowice was sort of their peak of this team's the favorite coming in. Oh, yep, they dominated everybody. Uh, so in CSGO, you had that that Cloud9 moment, but it was really Astralis' year. Uh, I don't think either of those two nominees win. It's so weird because it's fan voting, so it's really hard to predict what wins. Um but yeah, that was the other CSGO one. So you have Cloud9 winning the CSGO Boston and Astralis winning IEM Katowice. Both huge majors in the CSGO world. And they are nominated for the award. So moving on, we have Invictus. And I just mentioned this a little bit with Team Liquid. So it feels weird because we're going to cover Team Liquid in depth later. But they didn't win the League of Legends World Championship. In fact, that was Invictus Gaming. And League of Legends Worlds 2018 was absolutely nuts. Right. You've got a game that has been dominated by Asian teams 
forever since season one. So since season two, season one was won by Fnatic. And then ever since then, it's took off in China and Korea and Western teams can't compete. But now they kind of can. And Invictus was actually the only Asian team in the semifinalists for the first time ever since season one. Season one throws oh, yeah. everything off. Uh, <laughs> but they were sort of an upstart too. They had to play KT Rolster and they were not the favorite in that matchup. And then they get to the semifinals and they're suddenly faced with a bunch of Western teams and they just steamroll. 3-0, 3-0, world champions. Uh, it was a it was cool tournament, but I think for so much of the Western community, they were so excited to finally have the statistical likelihood that a Western team would win the League of Legends World Championship and then Invictus just inviscerates everybody. It's like, nope, China, still the best. And so <laughs> Yeah. And as the funny part is, is they're considered a dark horse. Like the dark horse of that and they just still came steamrolling through like the rest of the Western teams. They're like, no, this is ours still. Good luck. So they really were, because Cloud9 and G2 and Fnatic had all beaten teams who were considered better than Invictus in the quarters um, or group stages. They'd, they'd already competed and beat teams who were considered better. So it was like, oh my God, this is the year. It's West. Like, and then they just 3-0, 3-0. So a little bit anti-comatic is that was the story going into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's Invictus winning. But congratulations to them. First time that organization has won. It was the... Um, coming out party for um oh my god who's their star player why am i forgetting oh no one shy one shy yep mm-hmm. one shy one shy I, I was like it's shy i couldn't remember yeah one shy sorry i'm not as up to date on my uh lpl and lck following as i should be but moving on we're doing this rapid fire so i'm trying to keep going quick we have Soral winning starcraft at blizzcon uh this one is Sort of feels like a throwaway to StarCraft a little bit. Uh, Sorrel is one of the best players in the game. He was one of the favorites coming in. He won the biggest tournament. I, d- I don't see how this wins, but he's nominated. StarCraft isn't nearly as big as it used to be. Um, but just uh, just one of the best players winning the biggest tournament in an esport that is declining in popularity. Yeah, I think it's just they put that in there for nostalgia reasons because even for you know esports was esports you know people always knew about starcraft and especially other countries knew how popular it was so they're probably placating to the old esports or starcraft crowd i think so i think that's just a nod to hey this game's still important and we're gonna we're gonna put the biggest event in there but nothing too notable about that in my mind i'm not a huge starcraft guy so there might be other storylines but Sorrel's one of the best players. He's not a dark horse. He didn't come out of nowhere. Um, yeah. So the next one is kind of interesting and actually was on your list. It was a, something we talked about a little bit, including, but chose not to. It's the Shanghai Dragons ending their 42-game losing streak in the Overwatch League. And this is so interesting because every other moment on this list is a team winning a championship or a great comeback story or somebody breaking barriers. And instead you have the losingest franchise. No traditional sports team had ever lost 42 games in a row in any uh, North American sport. I probably some football league somewhere, somebody inept had done that, but 
in the NFL, the NBA, the MLB, the NHL, and the MLS, no, and in all esports competitions as well. No team had ever lost 42 straight head-to-head matchups. <laughs> and then they won. So they eventually won. And that moment, that win of breaking that streak is on this list, which is just really funny to me. I, so if you live in like in areas where their teams aren't that good, well, you know, Cleveland, Detroit, stuff like that. After a while, it, it literally becomes like a running gag. Like, we're going to throw a parade if we go 0-16. Like, you know, they had a crowd fun for the Browns like that. And the Shanghai Dragon fans, towards the end, were literally like, they wanted that win. But they were just so happy how well the team played and stuff like that. And when they ended up knowing they have the franchise, especially how, you know, the season changed and stuff like that, there's nobody going to be able to touch this 42-game losing streak. So even though it's like more infamy than, you know, being famous, they're still in there. Like, yeah, there, it was a great esports moment. Like I remember that day, I remember where I was, it was like the Shanghai dragons won a game, but it shouldn't be called the best esports moment because there's so many teams that succeeded and deserve to be recognized. And can you imagine like the dragons players going on stage and accepting this award? Like, oh yeah. <laughs> We won a game. <laughs> but I wouldn't be surprised if the fans of Shanghai Dragons just don't go over there and vote and vote and vote to try to get at least to the, you know, the top eight. Like, I would not be surprised. That's the problem with fan voting. You know, you have moments like this where if this gets picked up by the wrong internet communities, like, they will force the the Shanghai Dragons players to go on to, and please don't make me be the catalyst for this. I swear some random internet thread pops up uh, voting for the Shanghai Dragons, but please, please don't make me the catalyst. I don't think we have enough listeners yet to start something like that, but yeah, don't vote for Shanghai Dragons. What are they going to do? They're going to come up on stage and be like, yeah, we broke the longest losing streak ever. It's just awkward for everybody involved. And it's kind of funny. It's even a nominee. Right? Is that not funny to nominee? I think it's funny. <laughs> you have that that team go up there, and people are already making fun of like esports and stuff like that. And then you do it in front of like big NBA, NFL, NHL players. It's just don't vote for them. Vote for something more fun. Just, just don't, please. Yeah, it's just not. It's not the the esports moment we want to yeah. portray or celebrate. Um, Good for them to finally break it. The esports community did love it, but it was more of a meme than right. it was a celebration. So moving on, next one was a true celebration. If you want to vote for this one, I will not be mad. Uh, Team OG winning the Dota 2 International and $11 million for first place. And they came in from open qualifiers. Whew. This is a really cool story and honestly maybe belongs in our five because the International is so unique in esports for its prize pool over it was over 25 million for all teams and first place was over 11 million dollars so the team that wins that i mean it is dota 2 is almost i don't want to say irrelevant like it's relevant in its group but nobody pays attention to it that much until the international comes around and then bam it's the biggest thing in esports and OG making a run through it, being a team that was really kind of counted out. They had a previous history in Dota 2, but at the time, nobody had them pegged as a winner. 
and they quali- they had to do open qualifiers. They didn't get placed into this from previous results. They had to qualify for the event and then they end up winning with like leaving with 11 million dollars uh, to split between the players on the team. Pretty incredible story. Yeah, I agree. Um I like you said most people they don't like I knew a little bit about it through the news and stuff, but you know, I don't watch Dota until the international. Then I'll watch it and then I'll stop watching it. Like it's kind of like the World Cup for me. Like soccer's on, I'll watch it. World Cup ends, I'm gone. Yeah, and that's how a lot of esports are at this point. I mean, the the only difference to me is like Overwatch. You have these different moments. Like I'll watch each of the stage finals. Uh, same with LCS. I'll watch the Spring Split finals. I'll watch the you know it's there's too many esports going on. There's games I follow religiously, and then there's games that I only tune into the biggest moments. And Dota 2 is the only one where it's only one time a year where I'm like, okay, I really need to be paying attention to this right now. Uh, CSGO, like, I'll watch the different majors. In Overwatching, I'll watch the stage finals. LCS, I'll watch the end of the, the competitions. But yeah, Dota 2, it's only the international to me that really moves the needle. And I think that's true for a lot of the esports space. There's obviously people deep in that who are following it religiously, but for the casual esports fan, it's basically the international or bust for their Dota 2 figs. Yeah, I agree. But still, great story for OG. They left. They won a shit ton of money. So good for them. Uh, we covered G2 winning the R6 championship. All right. We're on to uh, Chiquita Evans becoming the first woman in the NBA 2K League. This was a cool moment. Breaks barriers for gender divide in esports and one of the best things about esports is how women can compete with men at the highest levels unfortunately the it's still very skewed male heavy and there's plenty of societal uh reasons for that not going to get too deep into that right now but she broke the playing field uh in the second season of the nba 2k draft she got taken 56th overall by the golden state warriors it was a huge ovation for her, and now she's competing in the league. So it's really cool to have women in the league. But Terrell and I agree that this wasn't the most groundbreaking woman entering an eSport that happened in 2018-2019. No. Um, as we talked about the Shanghai Dragons earlier, they have a player named Gaguri on there, and she was the first female player of the Overwatch League. In my eyes... And popularity-wise, Overwatch League is much, much larger than the 2K League. And this isn't to take anything away anything away from Evans, because, you know, it needs, like, she's doing her thing. She earned her keep. She, you know, made it to the draft. Just with the voting, Gaguri should have been up there. If, even if you want to add another one, like, whatever, put both of them on the same ballot, because... You know, they both rightfully deserve it, but Gaguri should be there. I mean, there's feature articles by Mina Kimes on there and stuff like that. So, yeah, Gaguri, I mean, she had to fight a lot of discrimination uh, coming up on it. She is arguably the best player on her team, whereas Evans uh, in the NBA 2K League teams kept two players. And then this supplemental draft happened on top of that. So she's ultimately got fourth or fifth priority on the Golden State Warriors, and I haven't watched enough of the NBA 2K League to talk about her role on the team, but I would say that uh, you have also women like Karma 
competing for Splice and getting promoted to the RLCS and being the first woman to play in the highest level of Rocket League. And she was arguably the best player on her team. So I think there were just some other women who could have had the space. Or you, like you said, you could have combined them into a multi-part ballot. Uh, you could have had more nominees on there. But if you're only going to choose one woman as a gender barrier breaker for a nominee, doesn't make a ton of sense for it to be in the NBA 2K League. Just because, like you said, viewership, much smaller. Much, much, much smaller. In the same note, and we think that there's a little bit more NBA 2K stuff and this next nominee as well because it's ESPN. And because the games that the traditional sports, people who aren't familiar with esports, first associate with esports are these sports simulation games. And despite the fact that they have like no viewership, basically, besides FIFA, FIFA is the only one that has consistent viewership. Uh, they, And if you want to learn more about that, I have an actual podcast about the problems with sports simulation games. So I won't go too deep on that now in case you listen to that. But basically, people associate those games with esports, even though the esports community is like, yeah, we don't care. Um, but this other one fits into that because there's no reason this should be on here if this was just a normal esports award show. And it is a Madden Challenge walk-off touchdown. So his name is Kreidelbin, I guess. And the Madden Club Championship happened uh, around the time of the Super Bowl. You have support from all the different NFL teams. Uh, It doesn't really translate to viewers. Sorry, I just keep ripping Madden. But Madden esports have been tried since the mid-2000s without success. No. (laughs) Just no. <laughs> I don't know why they're still trying, but they're still trying. So uh, in uh, this guy, he was relatively unknown coming into it. Scores 10-10. It's overtime. He throws an out pass, hits a juke, off to the races, scores a touchdown. I mean, it's just good for him. I, I mean, it, it it's cool if you're a Madden fan. Like, I'm sure that was a pretty hype moment. But watching it, I was like, okay. Okay, it's just doesn't Madden esports just don't do it for me. I I don't know, but <laughs> um, the only time I honestly sat down to watch Madden is my dad was learning about esports and the Madden Challenge, or I think it was the Madden Championship. Don't get me wrong, Madden heads. I I literally don't know anything about Madden, but me and my dad literally sat there and watched, and I actually had a his name was Problem, and he was part of Luminosity. I remember that. That's all I remember about the Madden. That's all I know about Madden. That's it. Like, it was just fun sitting with my dad watching with it. Because he thought it was, like, just like football. That's all that mattered to him. I don't know. So. If you, I, I do want to do, like, a quick bit on the sports simulation games. Like, the NBA 2K League is a little bit better because they each play individual positions. But when you have one guy and it's so dictated by artificial intelligence, like in Madden, it's one-on-one. So 10 of your players on the field are at that moment being controlled by AI. It just doesn't work for an eSport to watch a guy juke an AI defender. It's like, cool. It doesn't have that moment of he broke that dude's axles. It's not dynamic enough. It doesn't provide the value of why would I watch this over football? Um, Those are my issues with sports simulation games. And they're pretty common considering the viewership is abysmal for all of them except for FIFA. <laughs> what if it had eleven players? What's up? <laughs> I said, what if it had eleven players on each side? Would you watch it's it then? Slightly better. I, what I'd like is the skill positions. You don't have to have the line. The line can be okay. Do hey. maybe five. 
have two receivers, a running back, and a tight end. And a quarterback, obviously. The quarterback's the one that's being played right now. And then have five positions on defense. Because that means that, you know, most engagements that happen will be user-controlled, assuming you could switch between them. I'm sure it's a logistical nightmare, but it would increase the team play aspect, the interest. Uh, you know, that's that's all important stuff in an eSport. Like, it just doesn't work when it's so AI heavy and it's so animation heavy. And the NBA 2K League deals with this too. You have to spam buttons trying to get the right animation, which it's just mm-hmm. not how basketball or football work. And until they can get to that point where the games feel similar to their physical counterpart, it's never going to be that popular. I agree with that. Yeah. I think that's why FIFA works because it is actually, it does feel a little bit like soccer because soccer is such a flowy game. The passes, it's not so one-on-one engagement. Obviously there's plenty of issues with it, but FIFA feels closer to its actual sport than um, NBA 2K or Madden feel to basketball or football. Anyways, getting on to a game that is much more popular, but we chose not to feature because Fortnite is interesting and Fortnite esports are very interesting is how I'm going to put that. I actually have a <laughs> podcast coming up with one of my friends at Fortnite Intel uh, doing this tomorrow. So that'll be up early next week about the issues with Fortnite esports. So you have that to look forward to. Um, but basically, the game does has never found a consistent format for Fortnite. There's no league. There's just these random scattered events that have different rules and plenty of other issues I'll cover in that podcast. But there's two Fortnite nominations. And the first one was the first official Fortnite event. And it was Ninja winning with Marshmallow, the EDM artist, at uh, the Pro-Am the Celebrity Pro-Am last June. So they just held the second Celebrity Pro-Am. Ninja did not win. I don't know who did. But at the very first official Epic Games-sponsored Fortnite event, Ninja won. And it was very perfect kickoff for Fortnite and competitive Fortnite, what they wanted from the game, because you had streamers playing with celebrities. And that is what Epic is focused on. They're like, no, we are mainstream. We are going to bring in the celebrities. We're going to support the celebrities. We're going to like Marshmallow eventually did a concert in the game. But at the time you're doing your first official broadcast of a battle Royale competition. So difficult. There were so many broadcasting hiccups and bugs in the game. Still, this was in season three or season four. I think season four of Fortnite. So ages ago. And it was just kind of a logistical nightmare. But luckily, their biggest player won. That was the absolute best outcome because like three Fortnite guys were known at this time. It was like Myth, Ninja, and then some of the TSM guys. But it was not that huge. And Ninja won. And it was like, oh, he's the best player in the world. It's not a question. He's the best. Uh, Spoiler, he's he's not the best. But... You hold that. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, but it's one of the issues with this is I, people are going to get mad at me for saying I don't really feel like it was like the reason we say it's esports is because it was a competition. But I don't feel like it's like the traditional esports as a sense because exactly what you said. There's hiccups. There's bugs. There's, you know, broadcasting issues. It was it was like 
a mess. It was literally like, all right, we're going to show this game off, especially at E3. All right, we're showing this game off. And we're going to make it look, you know, exciting and kids are going to download it and stuff like that. And then we're going to make sure your favorite celebrities are there, your favorite artists are there. And then, of course, you know, the best player in the world, Ninja, was there. Um, He's the biggest streamer. This is why it's not esports to me, because he's not the best player in the world. He was the biggest streamer. And because they hadn't had any official events till that point, people were like, yeah, Ninja's the best player in the world because he's the biggest streamer. And he was good. He's very good at the game. But he hasn't qualified for the World Cup. He hasn't won anything after this event. So it's very clear that he wasn't the biggest player. And that's why it's kind of a farce from an esports sense to me. Because this was really like a, like the biggest personality. It was Keemstar's Friday Fortnite on steroids. You need to have clout to be invited. And not necessarily the best skill. No, and I mean, as long as you, you know, have that personality and that smile, it'll get you through that door almost every time. And with Ninja, they got him through the door for many opportunities. But like you said, he's not the best player. He's not the best player. So... We're going to move on, and we have done this rapid fire very poorly because I keep getting sidetracked. There's so many different nominees, and you want to say at least a little bit about them. Uh, But we're on our final rapid fire entry before we go, and I guess our in-depth is going to be a little bit shorter, probably, each of them. Um, But that's probably fine. I'd rather do some talk about a lot of different things than just gloss over important moments. So the last one, speaking of glossed over, the official ESPN site has spelled this guy's name wrong his name is morgaus uh m-o-r-g-a-u-s-s-e on espn it is spelled mongaus m-o-n-g-a-u-s-s-e Oof. Uh, Oof. so if you want to it's the last entry and it's a Fortnite guy um but if you want to talk about glossed over how about that one for you the espn site actually <laughs> misspelled his name I, I mean, I got nothing. Like, they say they want to be esports. And then ESPN's just like, ah, just throw a name up there. I think it's misspelled. Ah, eh, whatever. Just publish it anyways. Like. Yeah. Should we Google it? Nah, nah. Mongouse. That's his name. It's like a mongoose, you know? Like, Gauss. It sounds perfect. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely brutal. But his nominee, he's still an amazing Fortnite player and honestly deserves more recognition from an esports perspective than Ninja does. But he will never get it. But uh, Morgaus, he won the Summer Skirmish, which was the second official Fortnite event. So Fortnite Epic Games announces $100 million in competitive prizes. And then they proceed to just bungle Fortnite esports for the better part of a year. Right. <laughs> we can, And again, I'm going to talk about all those issues later, but in another podcast next week. Um, but yeah, they absolutely bungle stuff. But at the time... So many players have become millionaires off of competitive Fortnite events. And Morgaus was the first one. Mm-hmm. He won a, oh, I don't have the prize in front of me. It was a million. It was over a million. Uh, and he won the Summer Skirmish, which was the first official Fortnite event. And then that set off a trend of, you know, a lot of players really making just obscene amounts of money from Fortnite and from competitive Fortnite over the year. Did he win over a million? I swear he did. I don't know. Fortnite's prize pools are super wonky. I'm trying to like visualize the top earners. Um, 
But the prize pools, they've dedicated $100 million to prizes. He won one of the biggest competitions, so he took home a very nice payday for somebody who is pretty much an amateur who showed up. But he was sort of the first guy to win a major actual competitive Fortnite event uh, that wasn't streamer-based. And that's cool, I guess. That was a unique event. But yeah, Fortnite esports are whack. So, real quick on the uh, the summer skirmish, you're talking about the one that was at PAX West, I'm assuming, where he won. He only won 225000 Ah, okay. It wasn't so even I'm near totally a million, wrong. but... I'm not even. I'm not even close to a million. Not even. Not even a little bit. Even still, like no one. If you if you know anything about esports, you know, you know certain players like here or there. But like with Fortnite, they're just like we're going to throw all these people in, and you know Ninja, and you know for better or for worse, now you know who Tifu is. Yeah. Like if you, you do. if you don't know those two, you know really know nothing about Fortnite except it's a buggy mess. So I'm just like, do I really want to watch Fortnite? Like, the camera's bad. Like, Battle Royales are hard to broadcast sometimes. So I'm just like, ugh. Like, I don't know. Yeah, there's a lot of logistical issues. And Fortnite has this space where a lot of their viewers don't care about esports. They don't want the game modeled as an esport. That's not their primary focus. And so I don't blame Epic Games for not doing that. But when you put down $100 million and be like, we're doing competitive Fortnite... And then you proceed to just bungle the scene and enter broken weapons and break things. It's just, this is the end result of it is Fortnite esports being sort of a laughing stock, but also being forced down people's throats with a massive prize pool. Exactly, because money speaks. Money like. speaks. All right, we spent way too much time on the rapid fire portion. Oh, we, we got to get doing... better at that. <laughs> yeah, I got to do better. When I say rapid fire, I mean very slow. Very slow rate of fire. Um, <laughs> so our five highlights, our number one and both of our favorites is Sonic Fox switching sides at Evo. And now Terrell, you are a bigger person in the fighting game community than I am. Can you break down what switching sides means in this context? Okay, so switching sides. Each, okay, so each game has a set. So you do a set of three. And then you can lose, you go into what they call the loser bracket. So it's pretty much a double elimination tournament. So what happened with Sonic Fox is he came all the way back from the loser's bracket. And he's going up against his rival at the time, Goichi. So everyone's hyped about this. And I think it was the bracket got reset. Well, what happened was he asked to switch sides. People forget about the switch inside rule because it's not used that often. Like Justin Wong and Yipes and Tasty. So switching sides. So for somebody who hasn't played Tekken, what is this? What is switching sides? So you're you're in a 2D plane. Yep. So it doesn't even have to be a 2D plane. It could be whatever fighting game. It's I'm taking player one and I'm playing on player two side and vice versa. So you can call for that and you can give if they agree to it you switch if not you can call for it and a coin gets flipped one of the things is people forgot about it and how hot goichi was during this tournament people said it cooled him off you know it was mind games sonic fox played mind games and eventually made him win evo which also helped in dragon ball world tour you know but people said it was a cheap tactic you know you shouldn't have done that and stuff like that but it's 
part of the rules of the game, like it's part of the gamemanship. Like if you you think you can get into your buddy's your person opponent's head, do it, and that's what Sonic Fox did. Yeah, I kind of love it. So, yeah, the rule used to exist. Correct me if I'm wrong here, but the rule used to exist because player one used to get some very fractionally better latency. Like I'm talking back on like old school consoles. Is that true? Is that why the rule exists in the first place? Correct. So the whole, so I put it this way for people that don't like know about fighting games. You always have the Mario and Luigi, the Sonic and Tails, like your baby brother is Sonic or your baby brother's Tails and Luigi, whatever. With it is because you're actually a little, your frame rate is a little better and your latency is a little better because they geared it more towards like one person playing by himself. And then with the older consoles, it gets a little, you know, they're old. Like just, there's nothing to say. It's a little harder for them to go. However, nowadays, it's not really used as often because both sides, the latency and the frame rates and stuff like that are pretty, pretty darn close. Like very, very, very minuscule. But like with Sonic Fox, because it took so long, it threw it threw Goichi's game off, and he eventually took the L. Yeah. So basically, Sonic Fox uses this very old strategy that is zero competitive relevance, just to throw off momentum and to sort of get in his opponent's head. He ends up winning. So very unique moment. And Sonic Fox is the most dominant single esports player in the world. I feel confident saying that. Uh, <laughs> Would you agree your fighting game specialty? Yes. I say right now, overall, yes. Certain games, no. But in a broad sense, he is the he's the top player going. Everyone knows him. Everyone you love him or you hate him. There's really not an in-between with him. Like the like the goats always are. You know, you either love or like hate LeBron. Nobody has a neutral exactly. opinion on LeBron. Exactly. Like, you're going to love the guy. Like, I love the dude. Like, I love how outspoken he is. I love how great he is. And I love how, like, he knows he's that great and he doesn't care if he just shows it or not. While people are like, you should be humble and stuff like that. He's like, no. Like, I'm going to New York State Institute of Technology right now. I'm the best bleeping, you know, fighting game player in the world. You can guess. And. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. But I'm just out of habit because all those ones I can't cuss on. <laughs> I would try not to do it too much, but if you want to, if you want to call Sonic Fox the best fucking fighting game player in the world, I think that's fine. Oh, okay. Well, he had a quote that said that he said, "Like I won Evo, and I'm the best fucking Dragon Ball Z fighter in the world." And at the time, he was when he put that up. Oh yeah, if you quote but, him, it's easy. Yeah, it's every time. Oh yeah. <laughs> so I just like that's why I love the dude so much. Like he's so great. He's so fun. He's so grateful to his communities and stuff like that. But of course, you know, people hate him just because he's good. Just plain, like, just because he's good. And he used this tactic. Nobody remembered. And people got mad because the newer generation never had to use this tactic. Yeah, it's definitely a callback. So yeah, there's so many different things that make this one of our favorite nominees. You have the best player in the world in his genre of game competing at the biggest stage in the grand finals, pulling out a unique rule that makes everybody talk and be like, oh, he did this. Why did he do this? Has a lot of nuance to it at the absolute biggest stage in its respective esports. So that's why we chose that one. And we're both favorites of that as a nominee. Uh, the other one we both agreed on worth talking about was the London Spitfire in the Overwatch League. And we like this because 
the first season of the Overwatch League was so unique for esports in that you finally have teams. So London Spitfire is Cloud9's teams, but for the first time, they're not competing under Cloud9. They've created these different ecosystem of geolocalized franchises with their own personalized logos. And this is whole ecosystem. And whether you like the OWL or not, it doesn't really matter. I think the culmination of the first season was really the end of one of the most grand experiments in esports history. And I thought the end went really well. Uh, I, I covered Overwatch for a little bit. And I agree. Like The way they did it with the franchise and, and all right, yeah, we know, you know, excuse me cloud nine is with the spitfire but it didn't feel like when london raised the trophy that it was cloud nine that won it was literally london's team and you know the people that celebrate overwatch in europe and that were there they celebrated it like it was their home team just like a like exactly what they wanted like an nba team like when the toronto raptors won they you know my city won my city like and when it was just good for the overwatch league because of how well that actually came in now people can complain about the viewership and stuff like that i'm not going to lie the viewership was a little less than expected however they went through the experiment and the experiment still came out well like so yeah, for the the viewership was a little bit down, and there's plenty of reasons for that. But I agree. I think the geolocalization and having London beat Philadelphia is just a statement that has never been uttered before. You know, <laughs> London beat Philadelphia in the championship, and that's the unique thing you have with the OWL. And right now we're in the middle of the second season, so the experiment is very much still still ongoing. I said still a ton of times right there, uh, but. Yes, you did. <laughs> the experiment is still rocking. Wow, I keep doing it. All right, we're gonna we're gonna move on. Um, oh, the other thing. That I- <laughs> we're going off the rails. We're fifteen minutes thing. into this podcast. We're going off the rails. Uh, the other thing I want to mention about the OWL uh, finals was the DJ Khaled concert because you can't mention the OWL finals without talking about how horrible this concert was. So I didn't watch. I'm not gonna lie. I didn't watch because I usually don't watch halftime shows for anything. Like I just go on. That's the time I can, you know, go talk to people, talk to my girlfriend, whatever. Blah 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 blah. So what I saw on Twitter, I'm just like, oh my goodness, these kids don't know who he is. Yeah, he's yelling at the crowd, telling them to get on their feet. DJ Khaled, sing my songs with me. Nobody has any idea who this dude is, really, and. If they do know, it's DJ Khaled. You don't care about DJ Khaled. You care about the people he brings together on his songs. That's the draw of a DJ Khaled album. Exactly. Not just him by himself. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, oh, man, he got. Oh, yeah. Like each DJ Khaled album, each song has three features. Like that's how his albums work. Like you have one of the most popular DJ Khaled songs is I'm the one. And that has Chance the Rapper, Justin Bieber, Justin Bieber, Quavo, and Lil Wayne on it. That's who you listen to when you listen to a DJ Khaled song. So having him come out and do the concert was just, why'd you do that? It's, it's just so fun. Like, I'm a huge rap fan, and I know anytime DJ Khaled is doing a solo song, it's just like, I don't know if you want to do that, guys. And they did. And, well, everyone was looking at their phones, tweeting about it, and not in a good light. 
Yeah, it was bad. And if you contrast that with Riot Games releasing a custom K-pop music video based around League of Legends, that video has now been viewed 235 million times on YouTube. So on one hand, you have Riot Games showing how you use a musical performance to add value. Or if you want to go further back, they had Imagine Dragons at the Beijing Stadium. I think it was Beijing. I don't know. They had Imagine Dragons perform at a major event. And it went really well, and everybody was well-received. So it's possible to do that. Just don't have DJ Khaled perform solo. Like, why would you do that? I mean, next they're going to have Willie Nelson on stage for the finals this year. Like, I don't know they know what they're doing yet. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's an experiment. It's still being trying. They're still trying to figure things out. But uh, that was uh, a bad moment in it. But the experiment... Yes was unique and the spitfire winning was certainly an important moment in esports history for better or for worse yes i agree on that one of the biggest stories in esports though we just talked about a little bit of riot games league of legends is without a doubt the biggest esport in the world it's really not that close i mean obviously in some communities viewership's different but league of legends is something else it's on another plane and the biggest story in League of Legends has been Western teams closing the gap with Asian rivals. In past history of League of Legends, the LPL in China and the LCK in South Korea and the LMS in Taiwan, Macau, and Hong Kong have dominated. And really, it's the LCK and LPL mostly. Uh, that's where Faker, that's where you've got SKT, you've got Samsung Galaxy, you've got... Um, all the Chinese teams, you got Invictus, you've got Edward Gaming. Uh, you you know, there's that is where most of the best teams are. But in the last year, we talked about it a little bit earlier, three Western teams reached the finals. Uh, but the nominee they chose to encapsulate this Western progression against Asian rivals was Team Liquid, uh, upsetting the defended world champion Invictus Gaming at the Midsummer's Invitational. So that was just, uh, oh, just a couple months ago. And Liquid mm -hmm. with Double Lift is the most popular team, I think, in North America in the LCS. And they eventually lost the finals, but I believe that was the semifinal matchup. They played Evictus Gaming and they played really well. And it was, you know, this is the moment for so many Western fans who are just so used to teams like Liquid and Cloud9 and G2 and Fnatic going to Worlds and just getting smacked. Maybe they have a little bit of success, but you know it never feels attainable. And for the first time ever, it really feels like a Western team could finally win a major competition. Yeah. Um, like you said, League of Legends most popular out there. Um, also, another name that you brought up a lot of people is Double Lift. Like, People is it, he's kind of like the Sonic Fox. He's not maybe as great, but you either love him or you hate him. Like along with Jensen and watching them win, like a lot of fans were very excited, very happy, and the tear they just went on through, and just losing, you know, just that one that one loss to SK for uh, Invictus Gaming. And then they went through and just tore Invictus Gaming up. Like they acted like they didn't even belong yeah. there. Like it doesn't feel like yes, this is an upset, and yes, it's framed as an upset. But it 
doesn't feel absurd to have these things happen now, uh, which is so no, cool. That's that's huge. Which is great because it means the league is flourishing and like what the NFL strives for is priority and stuff like that. It's starting to happen in esports, and that's good because that way you get more personalities in there. You get people you like, people you dislike, stuff like that. All right, moving on to our final two nominees. This was my favorite story of the past year and a half, and it was O'Leary 2K returning to the NBA 2K League after he was shot at a Madden tournament. So if you aren't familiar with this story, it was one of the art you know the biggest tragedy in esports history uh you had an absolutely deranged madden player who'd actually experienced some success on the circuit went to the good luck have fun pizza and game bar in jacksonville florida where he was competing in a madden tournament and he shot up the place uh he killed three people including two madden competitors and he injured nine more including O'Larry 2K. Uh, he was playing for the Bucks Gaming at the time, and he was shot three times and required surgery on his hand because his thumb was severed. Like it was hanging um, from the skin. And for a gamer, that's, you know, your most important uh, extremity to compete and to be the best mm -hmm. at what you do. So he had multiple surgeries to get it fixed. He was not retained by the Bucks gaming. They could only retain two players. And he went to the NBA 2K League draft. And he was drafted again. So after having multiple surgeries, doing extensive physical rehab to fix his thumb, he's drafted into the NBA 2K League again. And now he's competing for the Minnesota Timberwolves. So a very ex like awesome recovery story of somebody who had to endure horrible tragedy but who's now back and playing at the highest level again, uh, even though he still doesn't have full motion in his hand. He only has 90% motion, according to the last um, interview he did. So pretty fucking incredible story for O'Leary to come back from that injury and from such a horrible experience now being back in the NBA 2K League. With O'Leary coming back, like... You know, like you said, you need your thumb, not even just for gaming, you just need it for life in general. Like, grab your car door and stuff, and going through that horror. So important. Yeah. Um, it's just like it's mind boggling. But with him being able to come back and do what he actually loves, and he actually getting picked up is actually great for him. And it's great for the community in general because it's one of the ways to heal as you see someone getting hurt like that in a horrific fashion. And then him back up on there playing the game he loves, hanging out with people that he's friends with and stuff. So this is like a real, like real good story. Yeah, exactly. It's as a recovery story, as an esports story, as uh, a feel-good moment coming out of the worst tragedy in esports history. A uh, lot of really amazing things about this return for O'Leary. And it, it's, it feels good to have that, but it is still so marked with the deaths of those two players and the absolute asshole who had mental issues. Right. And 
Yeah, shot yeah, up a Madden competition. Like, yeah. I'm not going to get too big into the gun violence issue, but man, I'm sick of this shit happening. Yeah. But. All right. Well, yeah. the final nominee on our list, uh, maybe I should have saved the O'Larry one because it's hard to transition in and out of that one. But uh, honestly, we should focus more on the feel good aspect because he's back and he's recovered. And that's, a, that's incredible. So that's really. Ex- exactly. Like, it, more of we talk about you know we talk about the victims more than the actual actions we talk about him recovering and coming back that's the that's the most important part and that's the the story is him coming back yeah exactly so. all right the final nominee we haven't talked about and if you're here with us still listening to the end we appreciate you listening we saved what i think is the best for last and that is leffen the um god slayer of Super Smash Bros. Melee winning Evo for the very first time. And this is so cool to me because Super Smash Bros. Melee had a really difficult time as an eSport. You have a GameCube game. So it's a GameCube game. GameCubes only exist now because of this game, really. Like, sure, like Smash Bros. is or uh, Double Dash is fun and some of the other games are fun, but... GameCubes would have faded into obscurity a long time ago if it wasn't for Super Smash Bros. Melee and the pure art that is this game. This game's been out since 2001 and has had a competitive scene around it that entire time, basically. And in that time, five gods emerged. And those five gods were Mango, Armada, Hungrybox, Mewtwo King, and PPMD. And they won everything. Like, everything the gods won the competition if it had any merit whatsoever they won basically and the rivalries were all in within the gods except for Leffen. for Leffen. and there's some other guys like uh amda or amsa and uh oh, there's some other guys who are on the fringes who have who've taken games off uh plup is another one but Leffen was the guy who emerged as the most consistent competitor with the five gods and he won some major tournaments but he'd never won evo and finally in the last year that melee will be held at its biggest at the biggest fighting game competition of the year leffen wins and to me that moment is incredible and it's a bidding send-off for one of the greatest esports ever uh i like leffen a lot like he meandered over to when I got back into fighting games, he meandered over to Dragon Ball Fighter Z, and as you say, he's you know the god killer in Smash, and he almost took out Goichi just in the quarters in Dragon Ball Fighter. But what he does for Smash is just it's great, like because you have these five guys running around and they're top, they're, you know they are like you said gods, and he just comes over and he's like, I don't care who you are, I'm going to beat you. And like you said, the biggest elusive title you know he could not get. And then he got it. And he put a tweet up saying that he will win. Uh, he will win this year. And he did. He won Smash. Like, it was probably one of the better stories of Evo that year. More more than I think, like, the, the Evo Switch, which is more controversial, the feel-good story of Leffen finally taking home that that tournament. He deserved every second of it. So he did. And like 
the huge thing about it is like next year, yeah, there's going to be another Dragon Ball Z competition. Mm -hmm. That'll happen. But Nintendo has finally put a focus on... They created eSport by accident. That's what Melee is. It wasn't designed to be an eSport. You couldn't patch it. You couldn't update it. They just shipped off a game that turned out to be close to perfect. And for years, they tried other Super Smash Bros. Like Brawl. Brawl scene never really took off. Uh, what was the next one? It was Smash 4. And that didn't. Smash 4. It was had some scene. There was some scene around it. Until Bayonetta uh, showed up. And then it just... Uh, like MK Leo played it. But now, so did Zero. Right, right. So you have new new players doing this, but the melee scene's established. It's running the whole time. But finally, now you have Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, which has been sort of decided as the new Smash game. Finally, melee is going to be not retired completely, but Evo is choosing Ultimate for the first time instead of melee. Uh, so it's the end of an era for a game that was better than its two of its successors on nicer platforms with cleaner graphics. But Melee was just better. And now finally, Ultimate is the game of choice for the Smash community. And it's time to retire those GameCubes and Melee, which is just, uh, it's kind of sad as the end of a, a beautiful era and one of the most unique fighting games that's ever existed. It is. So my buddy, back quick you know tangent my buddy played smash when we were younger and he's like i'm gonna enter evo and so he trained he trained and i trained for street fighter 3 well we never made it and he still has his gamecube and he still plays the game like it's you know brand new he teaches his kids how to play it like that game somehow has its longevity it's just amazing like nintendo hit that really good hidden gem with that game and with Leffen... I could queue up Smash Bros. right now and play for two hours. I have my GameCube. I have Smash. I play with my brother. I played with my roommates in college just a couple years ago. Uh, I love that game, man. That is, in my opinion, probably the greatest game ever created. Uh, just because it was 2001. Yeah. Can you imagine creating a game in 2001 and it being a viable competitive experience in 2019. Yeah. Like you're literally making money off that. I was literally starting high school when that game came out. Like I was literally that meek little kid walking over. And when I got home, I would play smash bros melee. Like that's how old the game is. If you actually look through what Leffen did though, he went through Armada. He went through just all the people. Like he went through who else? Left or he went through Hungry Box. He went through two of the gods just to get there, and it was yeah. just. And the gods, the gods aren't quite on the same level as they used to be. I mean, H Box Armada is still amazing. Uh, Mango, Mewtwo King, both fallen off yep. a little bit. They've they've gotten quite older now. But you're right. It's it was such a fitting send off for the God Killer to go through multiple of the best players and create another unique storyline, a storyline that had never happened in the 19 years of this game. And he created it and he went through the gods, left and wins Evo. To me, that's an amazing moment. And one I, I'm really hoping wins. Mm -hmm. 
and he said back in 2016, January 22nd, 26th, I will win Evo. And two years later, he won it. And people may not understand, but that's one of the hardest mountains to climb, especially with those guys waiting to knock you down real quick. It's true. It's true. It's a very tough competition. I hope the Melee Esports scene keeps on rocking. But yeah, it does feel like it's finally on its last legs. Now that Nintendo has released a good follow-up title, it's the yep. the days are numbered for the prime showcase of Melee Esports. But hey, amazing run. One of the most incredible runs has ever existed. Exactly. It's time for it to retire, but it's it's Fred or it's next next incarnation. It's good. It's pretty damn good. Yeah. Ultimate's a great game. And it is kind of a that's the silver lining of Melee being retired, is it's being retired because there's finally a game worthy of taking the mantle. Because Brawl wasn't, Smash 4 wasn't. They're they're decent games, don't get me wrong. But Melee had something else, and finally people agree, okay, Ultimate's the game. I think we can we can move on finally. So that's kind of cool. Yes, I agree on that. Agree on that one hundred percent. All right, so that's the ESPYs nominations for the 2019 ESPYs Awards Best Esports Moment. Let's run through them all one more time in case it got a little mixed up. This is in the order of their seating. You have Sonic Fox winning EVO after switching sides, one of our favorites for it. You have Team Liquid upsetting defending world champion Invictus Gaming at Midsummer's Invitational. You have Cloud9 winning the CSGO Boston Major, the first NA team to win a major. You have Astralis winning IEM Katowice, the pinnacle of their crazy CSGO run. You have Invictus winning the League of Legends World Championship in 2018, the first time the organization won that. You have the London Spitfire capping off the first season of the Overwatch League with the championship. You have Soral winning StarCraft at BlizzCon. You have the Shanghai Dragons, esports' lovable loser, ending a 42-game losing streak. You have Team OG making their players quite rich with $11 million from the international. You have Chiquita Evans becoming the first woman in the NBA 2K League. You have O'Leary returning to the NBA 2K League after the horrible Jacksonville shooting. Then you have Leffen finally winning Evo in what could be Melee's last year. It actually is for sure Melee's last year at the event. I don't know why ESPN has what could be written in there. That's not... The Evo's already announced it, so unless they go back on their word. But number 13, Ninja's Fortnite win with Marshmallow at E3 Pro-Am. Again, not esports, but okay. (laughs) Number 14, (laughs) I have to do it. I'm sorry. Uh, I know. Number 14, Kreidobin, Madden Challenge Walk-Off, which is a throwaway to ESPN and Madden. Um, Number 15, G2 winning the R6 World Championship. Really cool moment for Rainbow Six Esports and a mark for how far they've come. You can really tell which games I think deserve to be there and which don't. Uh, and number 16, Mongouse, whose name is actually Morgouse, winning the Summer Skirmish from out of nowhere. Don't know who wrote those, but they really should have done more research, probably. Uh, I mean, to be fair, it goes well with how Fortnite Esports are. Sure, but. a little bit rough around the edges, for sure. Yes. Should we edit it? No, it's fine. It's fine. Just send it. Nobody nobody knows who that is. You sure? We have Google. <laughs> cool new invention called Google. But, all right. My question to you. Who do you have? I 
am rooting for Leffen. That is my best esports story in a storied esports game that won't be around much longer and won't have any more big stories. Happened on the biggest stage in the game. Uh, an upstart guy who came from nowhere. I think it checks all the boxes. What about you? Who's your pick? Uh, I think I'm I'm torn. I think I'm going to go with Fox, however, with the Switch. Because the Switch is just... It enlightened people on more of the rules to the FGC, and it brought light to the FGC. But I would not be upset at all if O'Leary won it either. I would love o- I would love O'Leary as well. Very amazing feel-good story. I almost wish they had a different award for, like, Comeback Player of the Year or Story of the Year. Because it's ultimately not as much an esports moment because he's not competing. He didn't win any. It, right. You know, it's, that's the only knock I have on that. It's still an amazing story. I uh, love to talk about it. And I'm, it's so incredible what he's gone through and persevered through. If he won, like if his team won the, the NBA 2K championship, and I'm like, okay, I'm in on that. That's, that's a winner every single time. But, you know, it's, it's just a feel-good, really awesome comeback story. You know, like people get... I guess I shouldn't say because he got shot, which is a little different. But I was going to say people come back from horrific injuries and play the next year. Usually don't get awards for it. But yeah, um, yeah. I mean, his story coming back from that tragedy is incredible. And I would be happy if he won. As far as teams winning, I don't see many of them don't. St- I think Astralis is, was the most dominant individual team. Uh, you could have Spitfire. You could have Team OG winning the international. I could see that from the open qualifier. Pretty cool story there for them. I hope it's not Ninja. I swear if it's Ninja. Whew. I, I will I will be calling you and just rub it in your face if Ninja walks down that stage. I won't I don't care where you are and I know there's a huge time difference. I will call you and laugh at you. I won't feel wrong. I won't feel like I did anything wrong. I will agree. Even though he's been on ESPN's the front page of ESPN, he is not an esports player. He's a, he's an amazing streamer. He's an international brand. He's in Walmart. Like I'm not hating on Ninja. He's just not even in the top 100 players in his game, and he's not really even focused on competitive events because he has a very lucrative stream and wants to build a brand. It's just not esports. It's fine, but but don't put it in my category of esports, right? Don't put it in my best esports. You want best streamer of the year? Ninja every time. No problem. That's fine with me. Not best esports moment. Don't 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 do that. Don't do that. <laughs> playing with Marshmallow. Come on, he's playing with an EDM artist. This isn't like wh- what are we doing here? It's like if you had like the Raptors winning and it was Kyle Lowry playing with Drake. I mean, it was, that was the- it felt like Drake was there. Let's let's be honest about that. Like that's what we're doing right now. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So it's a pro am tournament two v two that is completely separate from the NBA. And it's an NBA player playing with a rapper, and it's LeBron and Drake. That's that's my analogy I'm going to use. Would you call that the best sports moment of the year? Absolutely, you would not. And Ninja playing with Marshmallow should not be the best esports moment of the year either. All right. Well, I will I will lay off your Ninja argument, and I'm still going to. You don't go want me to get fired up here? No, I mean you can get fired up, but you have a podcast that's coming out about the problem with Fortnite esports and I'm going to listen to it as everyone else should. And then I'll come back and yell at you about it. 
Great segue, by the way. Here's what we have coming up for y'all. And uh, I'll, I'll have you sign off right now. Thank you so much for joining me, man. Appreciate it. I'll go. Hey, all right, man. You take care, all right? Uh, yeah, it was great talking to you as always. All right, take care. All right, see you, man. All right, that was Terrell Skelly, esports journalist and just a good friend of mine. Always love having him on to talk the general esports news of the day. Coming up for you, we've talked about the fort problem with Fortnite esports. I have Amanda Zelgowskis. Zelgowskis? I actually don't know how to say her last name. There's like Z's and S's and a lot of letters. Uh, I think it's Eastern European. Uh, I hope she doesn't listen to this, Amanda. I'm sorry. But I'm having her on. She's a writer for Fortnite Intel to talk about some of the issues that have plagued Fortnite esports uh, for quite a while now. Also coming up this week, I have the Fan-Controlled Football League, which is a unique new football league using Twitch, where people can vote on what play they want the team to run. And an actual live 7-on-7 football team carries out the plays voted on by Twitch chat. So you could just have them run flea flickers if that's what you want to vote for, or you could try and win. So it's going to be a pretty interesting experiment. And I'm talking to their founder, Patrick Dees. I believe that'll be happening tomorrow and be up next week. Other things I have coming up in the future, I'm talking to Ubisoft about roller champions and maybe its potential future as an esport. And I'm hoping to talk to my alma mater, started a esports club at the University of Oregon. So that's something to look forward to. But there's a lot of podcasts coming. I know it's been a bit of a break. E3 was a bit dry as everybody was... Uh, wrapped up in the whirlwind of E3. So it's been a little while since we've had a podcast. We had recapping E3 with my friend Max Bettendorf. You can check that one out as well. But for now, thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed. Tune into the ESPYs on July 10th and vote for your favorite esports moment using the link below this podcast or on the ESPYs.com. Please don't vote for Ninja or for Shanghai. Those are the only two things I ask. All other moments, fair game. Thanks for listening.